Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why are so many people convinced that a great transformation is coming? What exactly is a quote-unquote portal? If something weird is bothering you at night, is it some kind of ghost or just your imagination? Well, hello... Well, hello there. Uh, welcome to the 267th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and our opening questions came from our co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. We're doing an open-line show tonight, something listeners tell us that they enjoy, and we'll dive once again into that stack of emails where anything and everything paranormal is asked by listeners from far and wide. And no, we are not just a show about UFOs. We do other things, too. So we're also happy to take your calls at any time in the next hour. Uh, the number locally is 401-766-1240 or anywhere in the United States at 800-449-1240. But first things first, we need to get to our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was... How many lakes in British Columbia, Canada, or British Columbia, Canada, supposedly have lake monsters living in them? And the answer is 39. That's the official count, anyway. Well, Chris from Marshall, Texas, was the first to answer that correctly, and this is the second time in a few weeks that Chris has won. Uh, they're really going strong down there in Marshall, Texas, I guess. Uh, well, his drive. So this week's question is, uh, well, it's really weird. So, in what European city were three saints beheaded in the in the third century? Then supposedly get up and pick up their heads and walk to their own graves. It's a well, neat trick. Well, uh, so if you uh, get that right, you will win an autographed copy of my dad's most famous book, Footsteps in the Attic. So call us locally at four zero one seven six six twelve forty or nationally at eight hundred four four nine twelve forty. So if nobody gets the answer before the end of the show and you still think you have a shot, drop a line to me at ben at behindtheparanormal.com. Okay, so we are off and running with our first email here. We're going to do some emails and try to get some paranormal news a little bit later, something we don't often have a chance to do. This is from Rich Schneeman, and yes, he said he we could use his full name, uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This sounds familiar. I wake up some nights and can't move or talk, uh, no matter how hard I try. Sometimes uh, I, I see uh, a figure's head, and I can tell it's evil. It scares me every time. And at times I hear a weird machine-like noise as this experience is happening. This The crazy thing is my fiancé is my fiancé. Uh, the crazy thing is my fiancé is sound asleep next to me. Um... This has been going on every month uh, or so for the past ten years, and my mother had the same thing happen to her also. Uh, please give me any info you can. Uh, well, okay, that's actually really interesting because the same thing so happens with my girlfriend's mother. Like, uh, actually the exact same thing, except other weird noises and things happen besides seeing a figure's head or seeing full figures and all that. Like, yeah, well, uh, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, we get this all the time. And I have to tell you, Ben, well, you know that I'm a little bit, uh, I, I suppose the word is skeptical, of things that occur when you are asleep, between sleep and waking, at either end of sleep. Yeah. And uh, I just, you know, I, and there are many things that are legitimate because you're very sensitive at times like that. 
Now, I very often will be will be lying in bed very early in the morning or uh, just uh, getting ready to fall off to sleep at, at night, and I'll hear a voice right in my ear. And, uh, of course, some of this leads into experiences such as we discussed on Coast to Coast in May that I was nervous about. But nevertheless, uh, you have to kind of really look at these very carefully. Now, let's look at, at what Rich is going through here. Now, waking up some nights and can't move or talk. Sleep paralysis. Uh, well, we again, you can't just hurl down thunderbolts, but yeah, the, the, the term sleep paralysis. sleep paralysis does come to mind. Yeah, that, that's just what I'm, that's just what comes to mind. Yeah, there's that, probably, that there's, there's, my mind there's probably more factors. Yeah. I mean, if you can give us any more information in the future, that would be wonderful. Well, the question arises: What is sleep paralysis? It isn't entirely understood from the physiological or psychological point of view. Yeah, and as with many other things in life, and probably everything in life, it has maybe a multiversal component. Yeah. Somehow, although mm-hmm. I'm not really qualified to talk about uh, the details of such a component, but I think that might be possible. You have to keep an open mind here and stop thinking in this Western pigeonhole framework that we always use uh, to make ourselves comfortable because we're not in control of the world anyway. Names are fleeting, and they're only given to things to show ownership over it. Very true. That's very wise. Let's use that as a quote at one of the ends of the shows here. I, uh, and now here he goes. Uh, uh, continues. I sometimes see a figure's head, and I can't tell it. And I can tell that it's evil. Yeah, it's very frightening to see an apparition, if that's what this is. Now, of course, it is dark, and we'll, but, we're, but assuming that he is seeing something paranormal here, uh, just the head of a figure. I, I would like to know what kind of figure is it? Human? Is it not? I think of uh, uh, the haunted policeman case in Vermont. Well, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm also thinking of what's happening with my girlfriend's mother too, because she yeah, she's saying something like that. Exactly the same thing, except this was like a while ago, and it it was just like, do you want to see it? And she was like, yes, and it lifted its head and it had like big black eyes, and then it's and she prayed to God to be able to move her hand, and she did. And then her hand went to touch its hair, and it turned to spiders. Well, which sounds kind of that sounds like a dream to me, but I mean, yeah, but I don't still, know too many people who are gutsy enough is, to go and try and touch the thing. But the thing is, like, what the thing that I find interesting about this is because he can only see the figure's head. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the only thing that that strikes strikes and, my and mind because when I, when I first heard that, I was just like, oh well, it's probably just a dream she was having or something. But this just brings, I don't know, it just makes things different now. Well, one of the things that strikes me about this one, maybe you noticed this too, was every month or so for the past ten years, and it happened to his mother. Yeah, that's and it happened to his mother. That's right. So uh, some people out there might be saying, aha, archetypes, you know, psychological. Uh, symbols that are impressed upon the shared consciousness of the human race uh, that, that occur at times like like this at uh, night when we're afraid or something like that. So, but again, we don't really know what these things are. So, assuming this is paranormal, there might be. I have run into parasites that liter- and not to frighten people, but but th- that follow certain families for generations. It's really it's like the old Irish legend of a boggart. Yeah, in a way, sure. It's like the same thing because those followed around people for through like different clans and stuff. Yeah, and for anybody, and I, I very so I'll always ask, and you know, you've been there when I've done it. Uh, ask people what what national background they are and what nationality their parents were, this sort of thing, because there are certain. I suppose it might be within the consciousness of the bloodline, uh, in the sense of ancestral memory, or however you define that. Uh, certain things that that might go along with being Irish or being. But it's not dead people. 
No, absolutely not. It's, it's just something, again, multiversal. Uh, certain uh, sparks of consciousness in different parts of the multiverse where people are seeing or hearing different creatures or being or... or, or being different people or things of this kind. So, but we would just never know. I'd like to know more about this, Rich. If you would want to write to us again, if you're listening, and uh, again, I'd like to know um, other people in your family who might have been experiencing things like this. Uh, this could be a parasitical uh, presence. That uh, when I say parasite, I mean what most people mean when they say demons. All right, negative entities. But when you say demons, that implies theological baggage, such as they're servants of Satan and all this business, which I don't think their theology, I assure you, is not the same as ours. I personally do not believe in Satan. That's just my my two cents. That's that's a pregnant statement. You're going to hear about that. I know. Well, I'm just saying. I didn't. These are names for realities we can't define in any other way. Yes. Yeah. Because I remember going into a deep theological discussion in this in Catholic school. I've been asked that at book signings. Do you believe in Satan? Do you believe in the devil? But I mean, well, what do you mean by the devil? I mean, sort of a, a, a one being that personifies evil. I think if you want to see that, you, if you can, I think the first thing to look for is, is something within ourselves and uh, our own personal responsibility. Yeah, yeah, sure, that, of course, that, evil exists. All I have to do is watch the news. Yeah, I'm not saying that evil doesn't exist. Oh no, I'm, I I'm just saying mean. it's not like a single body of all things evil. What would you say if you were to meet, now you've met parasites before, uh, and over the past 40 years certainly have I, but what would you say if you met one of the, there are certain, they seem to have certain leaders, there seem to be, seems to be a culture among them, Um, perhaps certainly uh, in folklore a major uh, a very effective parasite of what they do, which is simply to feed upon us, uh, we're food sources for them, would say that uh, you, you might say, well, that that could be called devil. Maybe they have names. Somebody asked me, do they have names? I said, what do you mean, like George or something? I said, well, <laughs> but, but I mean, you, you, you know, they, they, have, they have a culture. They are very intelligent creatures. They're multidimensional, and uh, they are responsible for our folklore of these demons and things. Well, no. So in any case, uh, maybe the, the the idea of Satan comes from from that, I mean, the, the human experience of these creatures, and certainly you can point to the Bible and all sorts of different scriptures of different religions, and even historical documents here and there that indicate there's somebody out there who's really not looking. Well, at yeah, I mean, I mean, look at the uh, uh, what's the example we use every time? Like the, the ancient Sumerians, like their definition of a vampire was a life-sucking ghost. Yeah, exactly, and uh, this is what these parasites do. Uh, okay, here's kind of a long one. And it's from someone locally here in Rhode Island, where we broadcast uh, from. And I will not give her name because she did not say that I could. But there you go. Okay. First paragraph. Yeah, I'll put the paragraph first time. Okay. Hi, Paul. Who would you have guessed uh, that right in my own backyard, well, sort of, and she said she she lives in somewhere in Rhode Island, um, uh, lived someone such as yourself and your son uh, I am a number. Uh, I'm a member of the Coast to Coast family and have been for quite a few years. And I found my and I found the station by no accident, quote unquote. Uh, when there is some program, uh, person, or information that I need to hear, I seem to wake up at the appropriate time, and this is what happened. I I woke up at uh, 3 a.m. and there you were with your. Uh, son Ben, 
So for two hours, I listened and took in as much information as I possibly could. Um, and she, she goes to the next paragraph. I am writing to you uh, to confirm, as I am sure uh, many others will be doing, that the last that for the last five years now, I have also had this sense that something elusive and intangible yet profound is stirring. I like to call it the great transformation, uh, quote-unquote, of all that is, uh, of all that is, like a rebirthing and a cleansing. Uh, mind you, I am I am not fearful, just concerned and saddened at all the suffering that uh, humanity will have to endure. Uh, the rush, it, the rush is on, uh, whether that be with people, the news, relationships, countries, etc. Uh, the media goes from one story to another without any discriminant, uh, uh, and uh, the attention or prayerful reflection. We ha- we seem to have moved into a consciously unconscious mode. That's a good way of putting it. Mm. Um, not unlike robots moving along with only one purpose, to survive. And what we are trying to survive remains unknown. I tell my husband to try to try watching and listening to people. They move fast, talk fast. Uh, I mean, look at us. I talk really fast. Um, <laughs> have really a lo- yeah, well, have a lost sense of tolerance and patience and peace in their soul. Or, or lo- and, yeah, whatever. Okay, okay. L- l- let's uh, hold it at that okay. uh, for the time being. Okay, this, so I guess we can give her first name is Joan. Uh, thank you for that, Joan. That, that, that struck, we were, well, you're right. Other people wrote to us since that broadcast to the tune of like over 3,500 people uh, writing to us saying very similar things to what you've been saying. That they, the bottom line is that they feel something is happening. Now, we live in very uncertain times. We grew up, especially people my age, I'm, I'm 58 years old. And we grew up in a very relatively secure environment. We didn't have to worry about where our food was coming from. We were brought up to respect our institutions, in this case, American institutions. And we felt very secure in many ways. Some of us not, but uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, to feel secure, even though I lost my father at a very early age and grew up in a one-parent family at a time when that was very, very unusual. But the point is that things are are changing, as they always do, according to the momentum of history. And I often wonder if these feelings of impending, even impending doom, or at least impending change, are the result of us not being used to uncertainty. Uh, Perhaps a psychological reaction to uh, the political upheaval that's going on, the economic difficulties, uh, the questioning of everything that we always thought was so secure, even our religions which don't seem to be able to answer our needs anymore. So, but then, when things started happening to me, it's a little different when it happens to you. And and when I look back, of course, it really had started happening in the early 90s, that something really is odd, and uh, something really is seemingly about to change. Astronomers will tell you, and guests we have on the show who are experts on the 2012 business, which you may or may not accept, the 2012 doomsday prophecy thing that everybody's talking about. Uh, and, and the astronomers will say, well, an awful lot of strange things are happening in our galactic neighborhood. There are tremendous energies, uh, electromagnetic energies specifically, being blasted here and there across the galactic neighborhood because the galactic plane, uh, P-L-A-N-E, is, is flattening out uh, in such a way as has never happened before. The 
solar system itself is flattening out. That, that doesn't happen very often either. So that may mean nothing, but astronomers are saying that it's producing all sorts of weird electromagnetic pulses. And one thing I've learned in 40 years of paranormal research, electromagnetism is everything. Electromagnetism literally holds the universe together, and it holds what we call the multiverse together. It holds together this vast, interactive community of infinite numbers, perhaps, of parallel worlds in many of which we live. Now, this is quantum physics talking here in one of its many interpretations. So, putting all this together, I began to notice when I was in, involved in paranormal cases dealing with particular entities that these were not ghosts in the, the, the classic sense of the term, you know, dead people. They were actual people or beings of some kind who were neighbors of ours in this multiverse and there were a number of them I've noticed over the past 10 to 12 years. And you do sometimes you walk in and you just start talking to them, literally. Uh, and I'm not the sort of person who goes in for mediums or psychics or this sort of thing. I've, I've spent, as I said, on Coast to Coast 40 years trying to build up a reputation for integrity and honesty and having my feet on the ground. And yet... We try not to sound crazy at the and same time. And we try time. not to start, I mean, I'm 58 years old. I want to start thinking about retirement, not about saving the world or help or whatever is happening. And I uh, see this seems to be uh, upon us, and uh, the, the responses have been amazing, such, such as this one from Joan. It's like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Well, I don't know how extraordinary we are. I'd just rather be doing something else. But this is essentially, I believe, that something really is going to happen. And, and even George Nury, the host of Coast to Coast, said, you know, everywhere he goes... People are anxious about something that is going to happen. And, of course, in the, according to the 2012 prophecies, and, we, and Ben, we had the deer on, on last week, the, uh, the novelist who was also a Mayan expert on, uh, and also a, an expert on these uh, alleged prophecies, that they're going to <coughs> be... Okay, all right, I've got a question here, but just finish what, my thought. That uh, there, there's going to be some sort of change... The end of the world as we know. It doesn't mean the whole place is going to go poof. Nobody knows really what it is. But all these other circumstances surrounding the time of the Mayan prophecy and the prophecy of what, what do you say, 23 other civilizations from the ancient world? It was, it was more than that. Yeah, I know. I just suspect that it means something. What it will be, good or bad, who knows? And uh, all I say is that I'd like, I just want to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing and taking care of business, loving my family doing my work in an honorable manner. I've said that a hundred times, and I'll keep saying it. But in the meantime, a lot of people are asking, and as I say, over 3,500 people wrote to us after that show saying that they themselves have exactly the same feeling for the same period, 2012 to 2016, and that it unfortunately may involve great human suffering uh, and uh, some sort of steps that need to be taken in the meantime. So I don't know, we're still working on that. So here's a caller who I guess did not want to be on the air but has asked a question. What about the comet Elenine due to zip close to Earth in September sometime? Okay, well, this, col- this comet, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, if you know, is newly discovered. Uh, oh, I remember, I remember hearing about that. Didn't Joe mention? Not- yes, he did, as I think, yeah. Well, uh, otherwise known as the airline, uh, did mention that. Sorry, I didn't there- mean to give his name. That's all right. Well, I'm sure that the FBI won't be after him, right? But the, the this comet is one of many uh, what are known as near-Earth objects that, that are around all the time. And we are essentially in a shooting gallery, but geological time, I mean the time uh, not, not figured really in years, 
but in, in epics, I guess, I mean, our lives are really very short, you know, 80, 70, 80, 90 years maybe. That's nothing in terms of the age of the earth or the age of, of, of many of the species on earth, including our own. So uh, in, in terms of geological time, the earth is essentially in a shooting gallery. All sorts of things hit us with great frequency in geological time, uh, maybe every 60 to 70,000 years, and people are concerned about various comets as well. Now, comets are like planets in a way. that They, they orbit the solar system. I should say they orbit the uh, uh, sun, and they have various paths. And uh, at this point, this comet Ellen seems to be uh, a relatively close path to not necessarily intercept Earth, but to come close to it. And some people are saying, aha, this is part of the... 2012 uh, prophecies and this may hit us and therefore poof and we have to start again or we don't start again. Uh, There is some evidence that this has happened at least four times in the history of the human race. You know, I often say, and I said it in my book, Turning Home, God, Ghost, and Human Destiny, that Ben refers to now and then as a prize for our weekly contest, that there are ages and ages and ages in which humanity has existed, but about which we know absolutely nothing. Our species, it is currently estimated, and this is always changing, is roughly 2 million years old, maybe more. In other words, modern man is about 2 million years old, the species. Uh, Skulls of modern man have been found in South America that are roughly that age. And so whatever other species were on Neanderthals or whatever, uh, we were around at the same time. Now, what happened... In all those millions, well, hundreds of thousands of years, before maybe 10,000 years ago, when we start to detect, or really 8,000 years ago, we start to detect the Sumerian civilization, the first known civilization in the Middle East, which sprang up literally out of, pretty much out of nowhere. Yeah. And what happened before that? Well, they used the explanation, well, there was a river by it, so therefore they became technological geniuses. It's... Well, there are a lot of rivers around. All of a sudden, well, we can get, we've gotten into this in certain shows about uh, strange beings that they called gods who came out of, seemingly out of but nowhere. But the interesting and, thing was they were, they were originally monotheists. That is interesting. Yeah, they were yeah, originally worshippers of one god. They later became polytheists, worshippers of many gods. But, but anyway, my point being... Uh, that we have lots and lots of time here. And according to the most ancient civilizations and the most ancient peoples, whom I consulted before I wrote that book, uh, the Andaman Islanders or Nicobar Islanders in the Indian Ocean, the the Australian Aborigines, uh, and I was privileged to spend uh, some time with one of the elders who told me a lot about some of this. And the question is, okay, what happened in all those epics? Well, according to many, and also some of the, uh, you've had some experience with the native tribes of the Southwest, Ben, uh, the Hopi and some of the others, I believe that the world has ended, quote-unquote, four times, at least, mm. in the history of the human race. And of course, much of it having, having happened in this time, we know nothing about. Sometimes it has been through natural disasters, such as comets, such as alanine. Uh, at other times, it has been perhaps through war. Uh, I am familiar with several people who have researched the city of Mohenjo-Daro in what is now Pakistan, and uh, round about 100,000 years ago, there appears to have been what can only be described in some of the ancient texts as a nuclear war. They find in this area desert sand that has been fused by heat into greenish glass, something that happens at ground zero of a nu- nuclear explosion. Didn't they find the same thing where they found like Sodom and Gomorrah? 
there is some evidence of that too. Uh, apparently, there, there is evidence of a global war about a hundred thousand years ago. I mean, and, and you find this greenish glass at, at the uh, the ground zero of some of the nuclear test sites in New Mexico, for example. So this is no joke. Uh, and and uh, I was also told that when some, somebody thought to bring a Geiger counter to Mohenjo-Daro, and when they were examining some of the skeletons there, they found that they were very, very radioactive, highly radioactive, and some of them were burned. Some of the buildings of the ancient city had been melted, apparently. And so, I mean, how much evidence has to hit you in the face that, that we maybe have reached the point, uh, gone from, 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 from stone tools to power tools maybe three or four times the in the long and unknown battery. history of this poor race. The Baghdad battery. Baghdad battery, yep. yeah, all this kind of stuff in you know, ancient technology. Our remote ancestors were not stupid. Nope. At all. We underestimate them in our society. We, we, we overestimate under- ourselves. Yeah. So anyway, it's a long answer to Jones' comments there, and she has a little more that we'll get back There's, to. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah. we'll get well, back to that, but we need, break to take, now. Yeah, we need to take a break. So. Okay, so we're going to take a break here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com here in New England's beautiful but rainy Blackstone River Valley. Stay, Stay with, with us. us. This is Romeo Berthiam inviting you to join me every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 for the Saturday Show. This all-request program includes music, news, sports, weather, and all sorts of community announcements. And what a great way to start your weekend. Join me this Saturday morning. And I'm going to be giving you some information here on two interesting items. One is uh, our good friend Albert Rosales, who is probably the greatest living expert and collector of stories on humanoid encounters. And Albert is making his uh, research available on CDs and electronically, over 18,000 case summaries, many translated by Russian, Hungarian, Spanish, etc., and unknown to most researchers. And uh, you can find out more by writing to him. Uh, there is a, a nominal charge per disc, and there is, I guess there, there is one disc, one decade per disc, and uh, that's $25 and two decades at $40. And you can uh, contact him at alberthumanoid at gmail.com, alberthumanoid at gmail.com. Tell him you heard it from Paul and Ben. And he's also one of our show reporters. Uh, he is our special subjects expert. And I wanted to mention Amazon Kindle uh, ebooks are becoming an attractive alternative to expensive printed books, newspapers, and magazines. And your best deal in ebooks is the Amazon Kindle ebook reader, now priced as low as $114. Uh, check Staples, they, they sell them. Uh, get over 900,000 books, newspapers, and magazines electronically delivered right to your fingertips. No more shipping charges, no more $4 a gallon drives to the bookstore, and no more bulky and environmentally unfriendly packaging to get rid of. And read the books you love for as much as half the cost of the print editions. Books available on Amazon Kindle include four of my own books, and they include the popular Footsteps in the Attic, no longer available in stores until it's reprinted later this year, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, Faces at the Window, and Under My Historian's Hat, Rhode Island, A Genial History, which I co-authored with Emmy Award-winning TV journalist Glenn Laxton. So check out the Amazon Kindle store at Amazon.com today, or Staples. It's a great gift for any occasion. So welcome back to Beyond the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno right here on WON 1240 AM. So we are 
talking about our the email from Joan here. And we kind of went off topic, way off topic. <laughs> and yeah, not really. Well, no, we went from, like, the future, well, to the past. Well, it's all, it's a t- timeline. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, we continuing with her email here. Uh, I have a great community of friends and people who understand what is happening to this beautiful world of ours and its inhabitants. You know, a lot of people don't even take the time to stop and see how beautiful our world really is. That's right. Things like the media tend to distort our view of everything and make everything seem like it sucks when it really doesn't. So anyway, mm-hmm. continuing. Um, so so she continues to say, we wait, uh, praying for a collective, a collective, uh, praying for the collective to wake up, for those in in power to wake up, and for people to begin looking uh, at each other with compassion and love. I am the eternal op- optimist, so <laughs> so I know that as you mentioned, all will be well. Or in the end, all will be well. Um, I also know there is a uh, higher being of love, uh, goodness, and light watching over each and every quote-unquote soul. I will continue my work of assisting others in raising their consciousnesses and and uh, pray and stay hopeful. Thank you, Paul, and please thank your son, Ben. He, along with so many other young spiritual beings, are our new world. I think that that's a beautiful email, and thank you, Joan. I hope uh, you're listening to us. Thank you for that because it's beautiful. Um, there are, I think, the most important thing to realize, regardless of any anything that that is going to happen. If, you know, again, if anything, is that in the end all will be well. I must believe that. I too am the eternal optimist, and I really think that uh, that's a beautiful saying who, that was quoted. Uh, well, the person quoted is uh, St. Julian of Norwich, a, a, a rather obscure English saint uh, from, uh, I guess, the, I think it was from the 4th century, 5th century or something like that, way back. And, uh, again, simple and true, in the end, all will be well. And I, I just must believe that. So as we continue to find out what may be unfolding for us, I think we need to keep that in mind. Okay, now here is one from... Uh, I'm going to give his first name, or her first name, Shanti, in Ontario, Canada. Okay. Okay. So Shanti writes, "Um, I just heard your show. I know about the portals you are talking about, and I know how to open them and let, quote-unquote, things pass through it using um, intention intention to filter intention, good and bad. I've been doing this for two years. But no one, uh, but no one knows what my sister. Is. Well, now a lot of people know. <laughs> so when I first heard Ben last year, uh, I knew that he is quote unquote like me. Uh, you spoke about the shape changers. When did I mention that? Did I? No, I don't. I, I, I that struck me. I don't remember using mm-hmm. that term anyway. I, I, I think I know what she means. Of I've, I'm sorry, I've encountered these blobs of energy that I know can turn into whatever the person thinks it is. I'm glad to know that others are experiencing time shifts the way I do, too. Unfortunately, I drive and use landmarks for directions, and so sometimes I've gotten lost because the buildings move around. That's trippy. Yeah, why don't we... Why don't we there's a lot in here. All okay, right. let's, let's just stop there. Okay. You know... Well, let's comment on this buildings moving around business. That's hey, there's a lot in here. Some people might not understand. Okay, 
uh, and if you you don't have an explanation, that person can sound like like a complete fruitcake. And yeah, but who knows? I mean, we we generally receive emails from very intelligent and articulate people, but you never know. I mean, maybe there's some problems there. But uh, this these are all things we've heard before, and that we've um, found out are have have legitimacy. The buildings moving around thing uh, th- that can be illustrated by a man from Pennsylvania who wrote to us. I believe it was Pennsylvania, and he would drive to work every day uh, the same route for many years and always pass a house that was blue. And one day, uh, and he'd been listening to our show and he was getting into what we always talk about, the, the multiverse awareness, that that's calming yourself in your life and becoming very quiet, uh, meditating, praying, whatever you do. And, and you begin to, when you're aware that there is a multiverse out there, there's a lot of parallel worlds in many of which you live and are having experiences that have taught you uh, things to be aware of in this world. Or, you know, some people might say there were previous lives. I don't believe in that. Time doesn't exist that way. I believe in parallel lives. And you become a sort of a bigger person by being aware of all these different lives where you're having all these different experiences. And you can become... You can find wisdom that you didn't know you had. You can find faith you didn't know you had. You can find many good things. Uh, and and it's, it, it, the trick is not to get locked up or <laughs> because uh, this is often characterized as schizophrenia. schizophrenia. And I saw this when I was... Uh, uh, unlike most paranormal researchers, I, I, if I say so myself, I like to think I have a, an actual background in relevant studies that can help in paranormal research, such as theology, philosophy, and psychology. I was a student for the priesthood for many years, and as such, and, and in that capacity, I was taking uh, graduate courses in psychology. And I did work in psychiatric hospitals with psychiatric patients in a time, this is in the 1970s, when there were far more inpatients than there are today, mainly because the state can't afford them anymore. So I would find that people who were diagnosed with schizophrenia would be living, at times, in very beautiful worlds, at the same time they were living in this one. Like the guy who thought he was Napoleon. Yeah, actually, there are jokes about that, but I actually did run into a guy who thought he was Napoleon, but I'm not going to, it's not appropriate right now. Yeah. So in any case, I thought that I began to ask questions that maybe some of these people are experiencing real worlds instead of just chemical imbalances in their brains. Somewhere. Doors are open to them. Well, that has something to do with it, too, because... I don't know. Our, the brain is a very powerful thing, yeah. and we only have we only use about ten percent of it. So imagine what you can do if you unlock the rest of it. I mean, they made a movie about that. I forgot what it was called, but it was like they give you like a pill, and it unlocks the rest of the poten- potential in your brain. But I'm pretty sure that more crazy things would happen if you did that. You wouldn't be like, oh, I'm super smart. I can do tons of math. It's more like shifting everything around you. Well, perhaps, yeah. I mean, it's, all these things go hand in hand. Uh, we think of things too narrowly, so all sorts of things could happen. But uh, just you know, get, get, staying on Shanti's uh, theme here, I think that perhaps uh, uh, this building business, uh, there, the point being there are many other worlds, and I think that we pass through them all the time. And it's only when the effects are dramatic that we say, aha, I saw a ghost, or I saw a UFO. And what you've actually seen is somebody going about their daily life in a in a place where uh, they're they're sharing space with you, so to speak, or you might have seen a loved one who had passed on here but has not passed on in this other world, and you see them running around doing their their thing. And these are all, this I think explains essentially the paranormal. UFOs, uh, uh, there's some evidence, especially from our Rendlesham witnesses when we were doing our 16-hour 
series on the Rendlesham uh, UFO case in England where, where all sorts of uh, military personnel witnessed these landings and things like this, uh, that these might be time travelers, whatever that may mean. And so there's a lot more to this than you may think. So uh, Shanti, seeing, and I was telling about the fellow driving to work every morning and seeing this building, and one day he drove by the house that had been blue, all of a sudden it was red. And he said, gee, when did the guy paint the house? And he knew the owner, and he stopped by and when he had a chance within a few days, and he said, when did you paint the house red? He said, what are you talking about, George? It's always been red. You know, and so <laughs> a little bit of multiversal experiences here. We pass through these worlds all the time. You put down your keys, and you turn around, and they're gone. Little things that we say, oh, it's just one of those things, that by the end of the day, you've forgotten it. But, of course, when the, when the roof falls in, and some multiversal parasite starts playing Frisbee with your grandmother's fine china, that you notice. Right, so anyway, I think uh, so. Shanti, uh, when you have this multiverse awareness, things you'll notice things moving around. You know, this, this building will be in a different place, and it becomes entirely normal. The I, I don't want to. I want to get into this now, but anyway. So in other words, Shanti is not necessarily crazy. Shanti is probably having multiverse awareness and a paranormal experience because of it, and multiverse awareness from. Uh, Activities such as meditation and everything else and quieting the soul. It's a spiritual advancement to have this. And again, you see yourself as a bigger person. You have experiences where you are wiser and know things uh, or, or know, you, know, you can avoid mistakes in your current consciousness and things like this. And it's, it's not as complicated as it sounds. So I think that that's what Shanti is describing. But the idea that... Something is going to happen in the next few years, between the 2012 and 2016 period, is something that I am very nervous about talking about, but that I cannot avoid. As I say, you know, I'd like to be talking about retirement right now, but apparently that something else has to be done, and, it, and it's that. And, and if you want to go to our website, uh, main website, the show website, of course, behindtheparanormal.com, but our, our main website is uh, newenglandghosts.com, and there are lots of articles in there about various things, and one of them is the 2012-2016 period. And that'll explain what Ben and I, in our different ways, have kind of seen coming, and that apparently thousands of other people have seen too, uh, like Shanti, and have written to us as well. So, anyway, thank you for writing that. Let me recycle this. <clears throat> now, here is um, another one here. This uh, it came in just regular email, not through our form on our site, and I don't... And the Keith is the writer. I don't know where he's from. I don't think. Oh, yeah, okay, Keith. Oh, I'm sorry. Circle Pines, Minnesota. Okay. Okay, so Keith writes... Oh, wait, there's two pages to this? No, no, the, 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 oh, the just, printer messed up. So, oh, all yeah. right, you're <laughs> scaring me here. I was just like, oh. Yeah. All right, hello, Paul and Ben. First of all, allow me to begin with a little praise. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have been listening to you to you two via your podcasts for at least three years. Like three years. Uh, all right. We've been on the air for three years. Oh, yeah, three, that's, three years that's right. Yeah. That's right, we have been on Time the air Time flies, you're long. having fun. Yeah, I know. Things have, A lot of things have changed since then. So I have always found you to be uh, both believable and credible. I have read your books and thoroughly enjoyed them. I just wanted to say that I do appreciate the courage I took to reveal your thoughts on the June 13th podcast. Uh, nor do I think you have gone nuts or jumped the shark. I like that unquote. term, jumped the shark. Uh, rather, I would... Oh, yeah, jump the shark. Yeah, that's a reference to Happy Days. Happy Days, the old TV show? Yeah. I didn't watch TV much. Okay. Uh, but I know I've heard of Happy Days. Anyway, okay. 
See, even I know this stuff. I still don't explain what it means, but go ahead. Well, no, because Fonzie tried to jump over a shark, and everyone... Did? Yes. So they were just like, that's crazy. Why are you going to jump a shark? And he was like, because I have to. So anyway... Because um, it's there. All right, go ahead. All right, rather, I would like some enlightenment on why you feel the 2012-2016 is a likely period for some... Uh, a uh, momentous event uh, which changes the world as we know it. Okay, why don't you stop right there because that, that that's a right. big question. All right, well, I was talking about the astronomical stuff and the, the electromagnetic pulses and all this uh, electromagnetic phenomena that are going on. Well, there are two results of that kind of electromagnetic activity. One is that the boundaries between these worlds, and we have every bit of evidence that the boundaries between these worlds are electromagnetic. We have photographs of what looks like plasma energy, which essentially is just electrified air molecules, that is um, dividing, in some photographs, one room from another room when they say occupying the same space. And this sort of business, these are visible on uh, NewEnglandGhosts.com and the Ghosts of uh, New England section, Ghosts of Connecticut, actually. And we are able to uh, sort of get some interpretation of this, that these electromagnetic boundaries, if all these these energies are coming through astronomically, can thin the boundaries of these worlds. And what happens then? Well, whoever lives in those worlds are going to have more what we would call paranormal experiences. You're going to see more ghosts. This is happening already. We are inundated. People are going to see more UFOs. You look in the headlines half the time, people are talking about UFOs in many parts of the world. Uh, Brooklyn, New York, there were sightings, huge a number of sightings uh, recently. And uh, other areas, London, uh, people are getting photographs and videos of these things. The boundaries seem to be thinning. Another thing that happens is that human behavior seems to be affected. And I'll give you an example. And I, they say, well, people get crazier when the moon is full. Well, there is a, a certain amount of evidence for that. There are two German scientists, whose names I don't remember off the top of my head, who have done research on that. And I can testify that having worked in psychiatric hospitals during times of full moons, the patients really did get stirred up. Electromagnetism affects the human brain, just as it affects the tides. So we have two things happening. We have people getting stranger and we have boundaries thinning between worlds. Among other things, these thinning boundaries mean, or at least imply, that parasitical entities that seem to be multiversal creatures uh, can have more access to us than ever. Uh, there seems to be, everywhere we go, we hear stories, maybe it's because people listen to the show and stuff, but I mean, just, there seems to be an explosion. It just seems of, to make more sense than the traditional belief, oh, they're just dead people, oh, they're just demons. Well, yeah, well, the, well, the point is that, that this there seems to be uh, an explosion of these phenomena it's everywhere like we go. Busters. And remember, we always ask when we have other investigators on the show as guests, are you noticing more instances of these things? Are you not- And, and uh, inevitably are saying yes. So, our theory is that this electromagnetic business is affecting this. So that's why, uh, again, to answer um, this Keith's question, uh, that we feel that the 2012 to 2016 period is going to be one of great upheaval in the manner we've described because of all these factors having to do with these electromagnetic energies blasting around in the galactic neighborhood. I think that may be an oversimplification. There may be more to it, but I think that's essentially the reason. Okay, so... Thank you for writing, Keith. All right, <clears throat> here's um, 
relatively brief one. This is from Dan, and Dan does not... Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's from Marie Lynn, and Marie Lynn does not say where she is from. She's from Dan. All right. Um, <laughs> Ancient. He uh, knows his Old Testament. Yes, I do. Uh, this was the first time that I have heard anyone state what you did about the coming events... I am hesitant to go into any details in this message, but I want you to know that I have been receiving exactly the same information for about 15 years. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, well, that's another... We have thousands of these. And she asks us to contact her, which we will probably do by email, because we can't keep up with all this. And again, I emphasize, this is not some kind of privileged information from aliens or spirit guides or anything is blown. This is uh, just information we've gathered by ourselves. Information we've gathered by ourselves, by, by hobnobbing, as it were, with a number of different And just kinds sort of, of drawing conclusions. They yeah. may or may not be right. Absolutely. And so uh, that's, and I'm very nervous about talking about it, as you can see, but uh, we, uh, we do what we believe we have to do. Now here's something on another topic. It's kind of interesting. And if uh, this is from Sean... Sean does not say where he is from, but it has to do with a haunted painting. And maybe if you want to read this part, Ben, and then and then we'll go up to that. Okay. Um, this previous. All right. Hi. Uh, I I thought this might this might interest you. My grandma had this painting in her attic for 25 years. She said it was evil. She told us she used to see the see the dark figure of a man around the house, and at night. Uh, she heard strange noises and crying. She told me the artist committed suicide shortly after finishing it, and he had used his own blood mixing it in the oils. After she after she died, we got the painting. It is currently in our basement. Shortly after we we got the painting, various members of the family started seeing this dark figure of a man. Uh, at at night, we began hearing noises, and just recently, we have heard crying and moaning. Uh, the painting is still in our house, although I never believed in the, supernatu- uh, the supernatural, and I am now convinced there is something evil about this painting. I am currently awaiting a full paranormal investigation. Oh dear. Well, that I don't, I don't, I don't mean to make light of this, but it just sounds like an episode of Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like he used <laughs> his own oil, his blood in the oil to make the painting. Like yeah, I just that's a bit much. I mean, even there's an awful lot of strange people out well, there. Well, there, a lot of them are, are artistic types. There's also no offense. There's also like the whole the whole thing where stuff can be attached to objects. Yeah. So. Well. Well, maybe I don't know. I've never seen any evidence of it. I've just heard. Well, here's here's how I I look at it. I think that sometimes, and I'm not saying this isn't true. It could be true. Multiversal ways to explain it. Sometimes weird things happen, and we use various circumstances to explain the phenomena. In other words, if people see somebody, you know, again across a bound world boundary, and they look like somebody in a painting, aha! It's the ghost of the guy in the painting. And it could be the guy in the painting. He's just still, you know, going strong somewhere or somewhere else. You can see him across the boundaries out there. But the, the whole blood thing and the, the artist committing suicide, I mean, maybe there is evidence for that. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. But it, it, you're right. It does sound a little bit much. But Wait, thing, we, weird, weirder things than that talk, have happened. Could we talk about the last case we did? Because this is just, I don't know, I'm just thinking of sure, that. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, with the... Gar- with the whole gargoyle thing in the person's basement. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, case in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, like we went into this this basement of this empty tenant house, and 
there were these two little like gargoyle type things that were on the walls and they were facing in I don't know it just felt weird it, it just like felt weird like there was just something dark about them and like there like I I'm sat and meditated on it and there was this thing in in the corner and I thought it was like some guy who owned who owned them like somewhere someone like back in the day and he had a big sword collection and all that and there's no evidence of some person that was down there but some woman who had narcolepsy would go down there to work out and she like she like forgot her medication like a couple of times and she went crazy and just started like hitting people and had, she had to be carted away by the cops four times yeah well the the owner of the property the landlord said, landlady said that in this any anybody who they call this thing cuz anybody who moved into this house their lives would get wrecked and she thought after two or three times of that happening that there was something beyond coincidence going on here. So we uh, essentially found that it was a feeding station for parasites. And one of the one of the if you want to call it a portal or a way for them to get in or one of the things that they used were these these gargoyles. And I should say gargoyles. Uh, this is a catch-all term for artistic carving figures that you put on your wall um, as as just decorations essentially but i found th- i don't know what it is i found really strange things with with these gargoyle figures we had a few at our old place and some of them were bird feeders and you put seeds i mean hang them on the tree i found out that when we pointed the, and other people have told me this from far and wide when you point them toward your house it like concentrates negative energy or something, and I can't explain it. But like we had the aiming toward our house, and you know, uh, mom and I would argue, and we'd have you know different things. This is at our old house. Yeah. And I pointed them away, and uh, everything felt lighter. Everything got better, and uh, you know, a lot of the problems were cleared up. And and uh, I, I don't know. So these gargoyles, that's what struck me when I saw these in those basements. Yeah. And the question is, okay, well, how how can objects affect the the world you know how can, can there be something negative attached to objects well everything has a like a power to it or like whatever well that's true whatever. well the way I explained I was on uh, if if you've ever seen the the Travel Channel's uh, Curses of New England I was I was on that and I was explaining how things could be attached to other things at in this case Belcourt Castle one of the uh, beautiful mansions in Newport where they have an amazing collection of uh, artifacts and, and artistic uh, uh, art objects and the suits of armor and things of that kind. And I was explaining that when you have an object that meant a lot to someone, whether it be an art object or an article of clothing or a table or furniture or whatever, and you mess around with that, that object is still part of their consciousness wave, what I call a consciousness wave. I guess no physics, physicists call it that too. And this wave reaches out across space-time and through all these various worlds where your consciousness is. And you can, get, can think of it as, as, a, as a vinyl record with lumps in it. And the lumps represent the things you own or the things you love, the people you care about, uh, one of these objects, such as I just described. And when that object is moved or becomes part of someone else's consciousness stream, the consciousness waves cross. And you can experience something of that person, and they can experience something of you. That seems to be how it works. And that's how objects seem to be affected by paranormal phenomena at times. 
that case we are both so familiar with. It's and in, in Footsteps in the Attic. It's called the chapter is called In the Dark. In that case, we're still very friendly with the people in the house, and they've come a long way and are part of our efforts here on the 2012-2016 period. They started their problem in 1997 when they moved a table. They were cleaning out a basement, and they moved a table, and they said, literally, all hell broke loose after they moved this table. And we never fully explained why, but there were two parasites active that seemed to be stimulated by whatever this was. And bingo, they had all sorts of problems, that, and we're still following it after 12 years, 10 or 12 years on this case. But they are in, in very good hands uh, she happened to, uh, the girl, uh, the young woman happened to marry uh, a shaman who knew exactly what he's doing, knows exactly what he's doing and has become a very good friend of ours and they're, they're in good hands. So uh, we're coming down to our last few minutes here and I wanted to uh, at least do so, one or two items of paranormal news here and we have uh, <clears throat> from our good friend Lon Strickler, uh, phantomsandmonsters.com and we have the Skinwalker Chronicles that he's been uh, sending us here. And uh, this, this past December, I posted Skinwalker Chronicles uh, that reference stories of the infamous malevolent being capable of transforming itself into a wolf, coyote, bear, bird, or any other animal. Since that time, I've received several anecdotes and inquiries about Skinwalkers. A few weeks ago, I compiled a few anecdotes and posted Skinwalker Chronicles too. So uh, we're, we're coming down to the wire here, but you want to look at Skinwalker Chronicles. You might want to do a search for that in your uh, search engine on your computer, and you could read some of these things that Lon uh, has uh, spent a great deal of time assembling. Okay, so Ben, any more comments on anything we've uh, read tonight? Uh, well, not really. Okay. Nothing like nothing I can think of. We got through a lot of a lot of emails more we than did, we yeah. normally do. We did. Good good discussion. Okay. Now, of course, I wanted to refer you to behindtheparanormal.com. It's our show website. You can learn all about our guests are coming up and past and over 300 podcasts, all available uh, from our CBS show, from this show on WON, and from uh, Chief Radio in South Dakota as well. And uh, if you're serious about paranormal education, check out intermetu.com, International Metaphysical University, where I teach a course in religion, science, and the paranormal. So many thanks to our wonderful producer, Steve Bianchi, and we'll see you next Monday, August 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on WON, 1240 a.m. and onworldwide.com. Ben and I will welcome back UFO expert and author Kathleen Marden as we approach the 50th anniversary of her aunts and uncles, that's Betty and Barney Hills, famous UFO encounter in Exeter, New Hampshire, in 1961. Okay, and speaking of Exeter, uh, don't forget the third annual Exeter UFO Festival in Exeter (laughs) on Labor Day, on Labor Day weekend. Uh, It's a lot lot of fun, and the proceeds go to local children's charities, and uh, you can meet my dad and myself there. So in the meantime, tune in to our Sunday evening CBS radio edition in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle online at www.newskyradio.com. On August 21st, my dad and I will have another open line show. And remember, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows, along with show schedules and guest information, at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we'll leave you with a thought-provoking quote from English author Arthur Young. God sleeps in the minerals, awakens in plants, walks in animals, and thinks in man. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of 
Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.